Welcome to the Gooners podcast and Gooners versus Cancer. Owen is already sleeping. <laughs> Not a good sign. Um, Owen, what have we gotten ourselves into? I what have I gotten I, you into? No, well, man, I, I uh, do you want to know what? I need to take the blame. I actually think originally I suggested this. As, <laughs> I, I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, I'm like, I have run with this idea, but I don't think it was my idea. It was probably <laughs> Owen's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was probably after um, an argument with my missus and 24 hours on my own seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, but now trying to convince her not only to care for our very young daughter for 24 hours while I sit and talk to an oversized American man on the internet. Uh, uh, but no, do you want to know? Pleasant to plump. Cuddly, that's what I call yeah, myself. Cuddly. I'm looking forward to it, man. I am. I have to say it's a... Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm looking forward to it. Let's be honest. It's going to be fun. There's a uh, massive so, so, stack so yeah, lineup. Normally, when my sleep schedule gets adjusted, like if I'm flying to London, for example, and I want to try to you know smooth out the the jet lag as quickly as possible, I like and my kids will tell you this. I start planning like four days in advance. Start slowly, start shifting the sleep schedule. You know, the night before we went to London one time, I think I, I like my son and I stayed up until three o'clock in the morning, slept until I mean like like. None of that happened this week. I, I had every intention of getting like a massive night's sleep last night and being ready to go for 24 hours. And of course, I'm I'm putting together final things. I'm sending I'm soliciting donations. I'm doing all this. I ended up getting like four and a half hours of sleep last night. So I am screwed. Uh, um, but I'm screwed uh, for, for I'm screwed for, for kicking cancer. Um you know, there, there's nothing more important to me than, than um, you know, than everyone seeing my face. No, there's nothing more important than than raising money for a good cause. And I will, as people can attest, I will bend over backwards. I will uh, put toothpicks in my eyes to keep the eyelids open, like the like Fred Flintstone. Uh, I'll do whatever I have to do. And and this this idea of yours has really taken reality. And here we are, three minutes into what what Jared said. Uh, We've got about 1,437 minutes left. Uh, thank you to everybody that's joining us in the chat. We're going to start out uh, with kind of some rules and, and, and some, some information that we'll be repeating throughout the podcast, because unlike me, I don't expect all of you listeners to stay in the chat and watch this for 24 hours straight. I expect Arsenal Los Angeles to do that. Uh, that's either Taylor or, uh, or or MK, I'm sure. But you guys need to stay up for 24 hours. But everyone else can go to sleep every once in a while. So so this is the first annual Gooners versus Cancer 24-hour podathon. I hope that we're getting some people to watch this that don't normally watch our podcast. Um, this will probably be the last podcast of ours they ever watch uh, after they <laughs> learn what it's about. But so here's what it's gonna here's how it's gonna work. The whole reason for doing this podcast is. To, to raise money and raise awareness and funds for the Gooners versus Cancer campaign, which is a fundraiser for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And uh, if you're checking this out for the first time and you don't know my backstory, Gooners versus Cancer started in 2017 as a way to, to kind of bring the Gooner family together under United Cause. I mean, there are some excellent causes, the Arsenal Foundation, the Willow, uh, so many, you know, smaller like ours uh, type of charities. But uh, you know, in the last four or five years, it's just really grown and become super important to me. And, and you know, the cause is to help try to cure blood cancers, provide support for families who are dealing with these awful and fatal, oftentimes, diseases. 
Uh, it's close to my heart because I lost my father uh, after a two and a half year battle with leukemia in 2010. And, you know, I have firsthand experience how, how difficult these things can be on a family. And I know that so, so many people, so many of my fellow Gooners have talked to me about it and said, you know, we've, we've, we've had this in our family, sons, daughters, cousins, uncles, parents themselves. It's just, it's crazy. And we've got to do something to get this situation resolved. And because I'm not a doctor, because I'm not a chemist, I'm not a, a you know, a, 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 I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And, um, and, and so I'm, I'm doing what I can in my small part. And it's been amazing uh, how helpful people have been. So over the last five summers, we've raised over $50,000 for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. This year, we're hoping to smash our record of last year uh, when we raised $21,000. we are well on our way. And we've set a goal for this individual uh, event, this 24-hour potathon of raising $5,000 just by the end of this 24 hours. We're already more than 40% of the way through that, which is incredible. We've been encouraging people to donate early so that they have a chance to, to win in all the raffles. And, and, and here's where we are at the moment where this starts. $2,059 raised of a $5,000 goal. With your help, I know that we can do this. There is no obligation we don't want you to, you know, to to spend your hard-earned money if it's not appropriate for you to do so. But if you can, if you appreciate the content, the effort, the cause, please go to GoonersVCancer.com. Um, you can find out more about the podcast. You can learn a little bit more about the event. You can find out how the the raffle tickets work. In, in a sense, the size of your donation will determine how many entries you have in the raffle. This is how it works, uh, ranging from $5 donation all the way up to however much you really want to donate. Uh, we did have a $500 donation come in a little earlier this morning, which is incredible. I don't recognize the name. It's not someone who's a friend of mine that we go way back. It's just someone who believed in the cause. So it's just it's, it's really heartwarming to see these come in. So you can check all that out at GoonersVCancer.com. Um, let's see. My personal belief about fundraising is, and this will not be 24 hours of me giving a, a, a monologue. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, Owen's just here for, you know, to, to offset my looks with his. Uh, my personal belief about fundraising is that it should be fun. I mean, the word fundraising starts with fun and funds. Um, but uh, I like to give people an opportunity to kind of get something back uh, for their charitable and generous donations. And so I've set up a raffle where you can win some amazing prizes. We have a general raffle that's going to be going on later this summer, but the raffle for uh, for the, the Potathon event includes some amazing prizes like this 89 t-shirt from, uh, from Stephen Feely, who I see is in the chat already. This is a fantastic shirt. This particular one doesn't fit me, so we're giving it away. Uh, no particular ones fit me. Uh, we're also giving away Gooners versus Cancer t-shirts. We're giving away a, a special commemorative Highbury T-shirt from the very last game, uh, the Wigan game played at Highbury, uh, that's not been ever taken out of the bag it was provided in, so it's in tip-top shape 15 years later. We're giving away some amazing artwork from Ruth Beck, who can be found at Ruth Beck Art. Uh, she does Highbury and Arsenal-related artwork, and, and it's just amazing, and we're, we're giving away seven of those during this 24 hours. And then we're also giving away... Two new Arsenal kits. You can get the, the home kit, the away kit, 
the third kit that just came out, personalized to your specifications. We're giving away two of those to two winners, and we're giving away three legend sign kits. Alan Smith will be on in a little bit, and, and we'll be drawing for a winner of his signed kit, which you can get him to sign with a personal message. Lee Dixon and Kevin Campbell will be joining us later in the show to do that as well. And the grand prize is a full first-team signed shirt from the 2019-2020 season, which was our FA Cup winning season. So, yes, you might have Gwenduzi on there. You might have Mustafi on there. But it's, it's the FA Cup winning team. So uh, so that's kind of the grand prize that we'll be drawing right at the end. Um, is that enough stuff, Owen, to be given away? <clears throat> Some had said too much. I'm not yeah. sure these people are deserved. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. And I, I just want to, before we carry on, just to, to bring up a point that I haven't really thought out, uh, Michael, uh, which comes from Ask. He says, are you going to eat live on the podcast? And what about going to the toilet? I tweeted a, uh, a picture earlier of, of kind of my setup here. I, I've i decided to go primarily with, with protein bars. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, as, as you can attest from 20 minutes ago, uh, I, unlike other p- hardworking podcasters, did have time to eat a sandwich before the podcast. <laughs> um, it did not grow COVID. Too bad, I make. Too bad. I'm not, I'm not going to whine about working so hard I can't even eat my sandwich. So I did have a sandwich. Um, I, I'm going to be going with protein bars because they're easy. At some point, I might order dinner. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not normally eat on a podcast uh, unless I'm doing it specifically for the purpose of, like, having soup. <laughs> uh, for for the fans of soup, they're not fans of mine. They're fans of soup. They're fans of me eating soup, uh, which is which may sound weird if you're not if if you if you don't follow the podcast. But um, but yeah, but uh, things are going to be a little bit different. I mean, it's going to be a combination of a stunt, uh, some amazing and enjoyable content that we hope to have. Um, the stars of this show are plentiful, uh, and they're not you and me. They're they're going to be our guests and our and our uh, and our chat. And, you know, we've got ex-players coming on. We have the top Arsenal journalists that everyone knows and wants to hear from. And as we've done with post-game shows, we're going to be – oh, uh, and toilet, I'm not – yeah, I'm not – I'm actually sitting on a toilet I had installed in my in my podcasting studio. I, I have – I'm not going to lie. I have plugs and clamps in all the right places. Just – I clamps. went to the extremes. Clamps. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I mean, you know, there will be points where my screen goes goes dark for uh, for anywhere from thirty seconds to five minutes, um, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we've got some videos to play. We've got Owen to pick up. You know, Owen and I are like an old married couple, ex- except the opposite of that, where you know, or or, or friends. You know, how, like your cycle matches up. I, I think they say girlfriends after like twenty years, their cycles match up. Our cycles specifically don't match up. Wait, can bur- does this mean that birds can smell us now? Um, I well, they've always been able to smell me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we we've ensured that that we do not have uh, a a consistently timed uh, need to leave the podcast. So we are uh, we're in good shape. Um, thank you for your concern, though, and 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 what a great name for someone who has a question. I mean, the, the guy's name is <laughs> someone says the perfect the perfect name. I mean, this guy must just walk around just with questions constantly, like, and 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 they're always good questions, like this one. So, um, oh, and get that off the screen. Stupid question. Um, <laughs> so, so we're gonna get started with the guests. I mean, we we um, like I said, we've got an amazing lineup. In 
in professional wrestling, which I can talk about because Andy's not on the podcast right now, there's normally two major attractions. There's the main event, and then there's the first guest. Um, and, you know, the, the, the curtain jerker, as you will, except the word jerk doesn't really apply to this person. So um, our first of 30-some-odd guests is joining us now. You may recognize him. You'll certainly recognize his voice. <laughs> Elliot, do you know what you've gotten yourself into here? Not not remotely, no. I, I didn't even know that there was going to be any kind of show going on. You just sent me a link and said, could you click on this for a second? Yes. See, what, see what's happened, Elliot, is in Andy's absence and, and his prolonged absence, we need another fast-talking American guy, so you fit the bill. Congratulations on your promotion, buddy. Welcome to the team. Yeah, thanks, uh, Eoin. I appreciate it. We're going to have to break the bad news to Clive and about 40,000 other people that uh, the Arsenal Vision podcast is, is no longer uh, no longer a thing. Uh, but now our, our first guest of, of, of the 738 people we have coming on with us is the host, founder, editor, producer, director, showrunner, and page of the Arsenal Vision podcast. He's a man about town, but I'm not telling you what town for his own safety. Um it's in what 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 is called in England. It's called it's in the north. Uh, let's just put it that way. It's a man whose adorable kids' voices I've learned how to tell apart over the last few weeks. Um, and uh, although now one of them has one less tooth, and, and I feel terrible about that. It's a man who I should have been drinking with eight days from now in Sin City until freaking Delta showed up. It's Elliot Yankee Gunner Smith. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I, all kidding aside, um, I still don't know why I'm here. Or what this is about? So if you could tell me, I no, I, I this is this is great. I mean, what you do with Gunners versus Cancer is inspirational. The thing that really sucks is like one of the best events we had planned for Vegas was going to be a charity event, um, in part to support this cause. So we don't get to do that in person. The downside is that you know we're forced to do it this way. The upside is that the smell is a hell of a lot better. So you take what you can get. I mean, know? can you imagine after two hours of open bar how that place would have would have? I mean, it would have just it would have been like. I mean, you're presuming it wouldn't have smelled terrible when we walked in the first place, but well, yeah. that's, that's I, I did have someone go and check it out, and they said it smelled all right. In fact, the word she used was "I." I I don't shower. I don't know if I've made that clear. I'm a conservationist, so. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so um, so yeah, the. Uh, I thought we were going to be instead of variance. I thought we were going to be dealing with deviance, uh, but but we got we, we got the wrong one. Why but not both? Happens, <laughs> and, and the best laid the best laid plans of mice and men sometimes go awry. So uh, it's going to be amazing when it's finally rescheduled. And of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, there was um, uh, I don't mean to like focus on things that are somewhat negative, but the uh, there was supposed to be an amazing Well, we are event. Arsenal fans, so it's inevitable. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it was supposed to be an event called Football Fest 2021 in Las Vegas next weekend. It was uh, set up by Elliot, Blue Wire, and The Win. Uh, it was an amazing event. We've been talking about it since, what, April? March, April? And all the planning that went into it, uh, you know, the vast majority by you, it, it, it's just heartbreaking that uh, – that you know, within a week of the cancellation of of the Orlando event, came the cancellation of the Vegas event, um, and uh, it, it's I mean it's going to happen at some point. It's got to happen at some point. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I look the the funny thing is right. Like we had the Orlando thing and that got canceled, and then we had the Vegas thing and that got canceled. And like I, I think more than anything, it's just 
you know, we, we are a great community. And as much as I love seeing your face on a little screen here and all the people in the chat as like little icons, it'd be nice to actually see people in person. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that, that is unfortunate about digital engagement is that people sort of become caricatures of themselves. It's, it's really just human nature, right? Because they have an opinion you hate or that's the silly one or that's the negative one. But like when you meet someone in person, they can become more well-rounded. That's the silly short one or that's the negative one who smells bad. And you can start to build out a profile of people that's more robust. You're really focused more on rich. aroma today, aren't you? I, well, you know, I, I have two young children, so there's there's lots of smell-related things that I that's have to take gooner, care of. That's the gooner who's 48 years old and can't change his own diaper. I am 37. I don't know if you, well, if I was, you know I was that. referring to. No, I was. Well, that's a joke from a previous uh, episode. But yeah, <laughs> moral of the story is that um, 37. I, I just miss, I, I miss the opportunity to actually get together with people and remember that there's more than just that tweet that you hated or that podcast that you hated or their face that is unappealing or, or that all guy of from the, Chicago who I argue with every single day. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly that. So. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, and I could tell you from personal, I mean, I know you had some experience with this. I think you've had it in London and you also, uh, when you and Andrew uh, did a show in LA, uh, the mm -hmm. last time Arsenal came over, which unfortunately I was, I was in uh, Denver that day talking to, to, to Josh and Vinay and Raul, but uh, I, so I couldn't make it, couldn't clear time in my schedule, but you guys had a fun time um, with Arsenal Los Angeles and, and um there's nothing like Gooner events. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't going to go into it this early, but Orlando, you know, the team canceled four days before, two, three, four days before people were going to travel. And I know that some people change their travel. Some people change their plans to basically just do a, you know, Disney, you know, related type of visit to Orlando. But a lot of people still went to Orlando for the express purpose of hanging out with other Gooners, meeting people they've met before, people they hadn't met before, uh, you know, new family members all the time coming into the situation. So those events are not to be, I mean, whether the team is there or not, whether they were planning on coming or not, whether it wasn't never about the team coming, like this Vegas event, like Gooner Gras in February in New Orleans, please, God, don't be canceled again. Um, you know, those are the those are the highlights of being an Arsenal supporter. And, and all the stuff that we do online and interacting with people is great, but the in-person stuff is fantastic. And, and um you know, and the good news is with me and our podcast viewership, I don't have to worry about stalkers. You do. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I have a huge, huge problem with that. Uh, really just inter interferes with my day on a daily basis. I, I actually moved to the to the great north from New York because I had to get away from all of the all the immense number of people that were uh, trying to find me and spend time with me because I am an engaging and enjoyable person to spend time with. So you are, and and, and if you, um, you know, if you where where it helps you though is is out of your hundreds of thousands of of fans, you must have a few dentists. I mean, I'll level with you. Like, I keep hearing how toxic and bad the online experience is, but candidly, like it came to my rescue with this thing of my daughter losing her tooth because a lot of people said, Oh, I went through that. Here's what you can expect. It's just, you know, the community coming together to help my 18 month old child. D did you appreciate that? I showed you the fact that I had gone through that. And, and I yes. don't mean when I was, I don't mean when I was a kid, I mean, seven years ago. <laughs> yes, it, it super helped. Thank you for that. I'm going to, I'm going to pause my camera for a minute to calm my dog down who is having a conniption. Give me one. That's second. one of them stalkers is out the front of his house right now. Exactly. Well, it's, it's, it's not his dog. It's someone else's dog that, that, that loves the show and mm -hmm. is coming, is coming to see him. So I'll take this opportunity to talk about the other thing, which is throughout this podcast. I mean, we've got some amazing guests on almost all of whom we've spoken to before. We're, we're very lucky in that regard. 
Um, what we want to do a little differently in this show, and part of it is selfish <clears throat> because coming up with 24 hours of content is not easy. Uh, we want to connect some of the people Back. that are kind of known in the Arsenal spheres, whether they're ex-players, journalists, top podcasters with dogs. Um, you know, that's what we want to connect you to them in a way that, you know, again, it's not, it's not personal. It's not in person, but so we have open the entire time we are doing this podcast. We have Gooner open mic or what is it? Gooners open mic. Is it Gooner open mic or Gooner <laughs> open mic? What the you hell did you type bro. when you came in here? Uh, <laughs> I think it's Gooner open mic.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and when you type it, yeah, it's Gooner open mic.com. Uh, and when you type that, you will go directly into what we call the red room because it's Arsenal and green room is reserved for Celtic. Um, but uh, the red room, and if it's appropriate, if it flows with the conversation, we will bring you on the pod. You can ask a question or make a comment or, I mean, keep it civil, please, not confrontational, not ridiculous. This is a cancer podcast, anti-cancer podcast, but uh, we'll bring you on screen, and you know we'll bring you on as many times as you want. If you're if you're here for for twelve hours of the twenty four, and you want to come on and talk to five or six of our guests, by all means, be our guest. Just you know, please be patient. Wait in the room a little bit until we bring you on screen, and uh, and and there's a private chat where we can let you know kind of when we're getting ready to bring you on. You can let us know as well. So mm-hmm. uh, so please do participate and partake in that. Vivek Malik, a great supporter of ours from the San Francisco Bay Area, heading over to donate now. Um, again, go to GoonersVCancer.com, donate. If you're going to have a comment, there, there is no rule that you have to donate to do this, that, or the other thing. It's open to all, but we'd certainly love your support. And we're going to be picking drawings at the end of each hour, in the last quarter of each hour, including this first hour where we're going to be picking the winner of this Ruth Beck art painting of Highbury. This is a um, the West End lower tier. So this is the opposite side that I used to go in on, but uh, but this will bring back positive memories for a lot of people. So so let's talk about Arsenal a little bit. Um, Do we have? To? No, I mean, we don't. I've got a good. I've got a good one. Yeah, I've got a good subject that we can kick off on if you'd like, because um, it's never like Arsenal Twitter to have a meltdown. But um, today was one of the, the rare days that it absolutely did. Um, <laughs> Aaron Ramsdale, it has come out that apparently those, t- you know, the, the move is advancing, that talks are ongoing, and it looks quite positive. Elliot, 25 million in and around that sort of fee is what's, what's being touted for what supposedly in Arsenal's eyes is a backup goalkeeper. And they've got this same, same obsession of having this homegrown backup goalkeeper. But do you think that in a transfer window as critical and as sort of cash starved as this one, that it is wise to spend 25 million on a player like Aaron Ramsdale? Um, so I think there's two ways to address that. The first is, I think that there is a misconception baked into the question. I don't think he's being signed to be the backup keeper. I think Leno is gone, probably not this season, but definitely next summer. He doesn't want to be at Arsenal anymore. And you can certainly question how we wound up keeping Leno, selling Martinez, and wound up with the guy who doesn't want to be here. But set that aside, I I think the only reason we're buying Ramsdale is to have a homegrown keeper going forward who competes with Leno this season and takes his place no later than next season and Leno is gone. So I think you have to look at the spend as the guy we think will be the guy. I don't think we are paying that for our number two keeper. I think we're paying that for our future number one keeper. 
Whether or not he's worth it is a totally different story. And here's what I would say, right? I regard other positions as a priority. Central mm -hmm. midfield, attacking midfield, right back, maybe striker. Those are all positions I think are a problem that we should have addressed and haven't yet. You could say central midfield we addressed by just saying we're running it back with Shaka. Maybe you think Lakanga is ahead of developmentally where we may have thought when we got him. Fine. I think if we had attacking midfielder done already and right back sorted already, and then we went for Ramsdale and said, this is a guy, we're planting our flag, he's going to be our future keeper, he's young, he's English, he's homegrown, this is it. I don't know that I like the talent evaluation because I have questions about him, but you can't fault that move. The mm -hmm. fact is keepers are not that cheap. There aren't a lot of young keepers out there, period, right now who are attracting a lot of attention, and I can see why you'd want that position to be sorted with a homegrown player. For me, if the other areas of the squad were sorted, I wouldn't really mind it. I'd think that they were overpaying for a guy I don't think is great. But that's a talent. Like, scouting keepers is really, really hard. Just ask Chelsea. They paid a record fee for Kepa. Or the, or the ball. <laughs> so, like, the, the easy answer is, I think it's too much money for this player, and I think it's a priority that we could push to next window. The more mm -hmm. complicated answer is, if he's good, and that's a big if, Getting this guy now is not a tragedy, but it leaves us with other squad positions that I regard as more important unfilled. So I know the easy answer is just be like, he sucks, this is terrible. I, I don't think that's the case, but I think in the context of what else has to be done for the squad, it, it, if we finish this window and haven't done attacking mid, central mid, right back striker, and we've done center back and keeper, that feels like a really weird set of choices to me, anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the arguments I've seen being put forth uh, on Twitter um, was one that it's so Arsenal like to, to sell Amy Martinez for for the fee that we did and then go and buy Aaron Ramsdale a year later for, for more money. Do you think that this just highlights again, even though there has been changes in the regime at Arsenal with Raul Sinelli departing and now Edu and Mikel Arteta seemingly taking the reins, but is this again per sort of vision of, of, of team building and we're not seeing the changes that we need to be seeing at this point? I just feel like, the, yeah, I mean, look, I, I feel like this is a club that has been doing sort of ad hoc transfer business for the last several seasons, which is just like, individually, there are some moves that are good and some moves that are bad. In terms of an actual clear-cut plan, that I don't get, right? I mean, some of the stuff like, we're going to sell Shaka this summer and move on from him. Nope. You know what? We'll sign him to a four-year deal and he's our future at center midfield. Like, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go young, but we're going to commit to this older central midfielder. We need an attacking midfielder. We want Martin Odegaard, but we're going to blow, not blow, but spend... 75 million pounds on center back and goalkeeper before we know if we have the funds available to go get the attacking midfielder we want. Like it's not that individually any of the moves are bad. Like heck Ben white might be worth what we paid. He might wind up being a really good center back for a long time, homegrown, young, talented. If that keeps us from addressing areas that we regard as greater needs, you have to look at it in that context. So I don't think transfers are just about, did you buy a good player? Did you sell a bad player? I think they're about having a philosophy and a, a plan and then trying to execute that plan. I think we've done some individual deals I like. Tavares, cheap punt on future talent, good physical profile. Lakanga, I think a really savvy move for a player who could be a lot better than people think. Ben White, big money, big player. But is the plan there? So if you want to judge individual deals one by one, I think you can come to different conclusions. But if you want to say, is there a plan? 
okay, that's where I re- I don't, me, who cares what I think, but you asked, I don't see the plan myself. I don't see what the plan is to build a team that goes from eighth to sixth to fourth to second to first and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Really not. I mean, the, other than Ben White over Rob Holding, I mean, if our best 11 is, is healthy, we've got the same team kind of as we did last year. And based on recent utilization in those mind games, mind games, uh, that, that would tend to lead you to believe that that's where Arteta's thinking is, we're still seeing the Abba and Laka together. We're still, I mean, you know, Partey's obviously going to be a big miss, but I mean, I've started to hit a little bit of panic stations a little bit uh, because <coughs> but that's like that evolution and overhaul is happening. Here, here's one for you, Mike, right? Because it, it, you mentioned there, and I think this is <clears throat> quite a problem with our fan base at the minute. And as much as I do think that Mikel Arteta should have been moved on after uh, last season, um, I do think that Edu often gets a bit of a, a bypass when we talk about the manner in which Arsenal have sort of um, unfolded over this past year or so. But <clears throat> Mike has gone, so Elliot, I'm now going to throw this to you. Please, he's yeah. so unprofessional. Yeah, and I'm playing. I'm play- he's, he's got 23 not, and a half hours more. That was not the first tally on my list. It's you just literally when I said p- panic stations. I realized I didn't have the bell with me. You literally paid go. about twenty minutes ago, man. I know you're old as shit, but <laughs> come on, let's get through this. We can't keep up. Anyway, <laughs> I knew that was going to come up, so I had to make it quick. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. So in the chat, give me a bit of leeway here because I'm only relaying some of the arguments I've seen put forward here. Okay, so this is for both of you. So when people say that. Edu has done relatively well in terms of... So, Gabriel Magalhaesh came in. That was... A lot of that deal was done by Raul Sinelli prior to his departure. Thomas Partey was a release clause trigger. There wasn't very much negotiations to be done in that. Um, who else has come in since then? William was one of his. Cedric Suarez was one of his. Pablo Mari was one of his. The, the people who you say were relatively... Un- the Raul deal. Uh, yeah, well... Uh, Okay, yes, but that there. But in, in that what, role, what, got paid more what, than Cedric did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then now you move to this season. Sambi Laconga and Nuno Tavares come in from from the continent, and let, let's be honest, they were handed a gift for the opportunity to join a club like Arsenal. Um, players of, the, of, of their level and quality, that it's an absolutely brilliant chance. And Ben White is a £50 million signing from a lower Premier League team. Do you really think that Edu has done a good job? Because, Elliot, like you say, and I think me and you actually agreed on this on a podcast relatively close to the start of the window, was that Ben White is a fine signing, but if it hinders our ability to go out and upgrade in key positions, it's stupid business. Do you like what you're seeing from not only Mikel Arteta, but Edu at this point? I had this conversation with someone recently. I feel like all director of football analysis, not analysis by director of football. I mean like fans analysis of directors of football. I feel like all of it is super post hoc, right? So like you, you don't know what a director of football. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the only way you can do it. Right. Because you don't, none of us really know what the directors of football are doing. Like is Arteta making all the moves or is Adu? So like you almost have to sit, and wait and see how the project goes and judge them like four or five seasons later, which sucks. But like, I don't know that you can judge a DOF super early on, but here's what I'll say about Adu. Adu was brought on by Raul. 
who clearly wanted someone to just work under him and basically be a passy. He wanted all the power consolidated with him so he could make his shady deals, make his deals with his buddies, do deals with Kia. Edu was very close with Kia. You cannot convince me that did not play a role. All right, they were like, who's an invincible who can do this, who Kia really, I mean, all the links were there. He'd never operated in the European market. He didn't have a lot of really robust club football, director of football experience, former player, still very young. He gets hired by Raul, has close ties to Kia, kind of spends a while just being like a smiling face in pictures at long after he'd been hired. And then suddenly Raul's gone, and now Edu's the guy. But the minute that happens, Mikel Arteta gets made manager and sort of seems to be placed on a par level with Edu for his authority. I just say, like, look, we're in one of the most complicated times in the history of club football for operating in the market because of COVID, because of economic disparities, because of the sharpening of the, the process happening at smaller clubs and the windfall of TV money going to some of the smaller clubs in the Premier League. It's harder than ever. And now we've got a first-time manager and a first-time European director of football. And whether I think they're good or they're not, they certainly aren't experienced. Like, you know, I thought I knew the law when I got out of law school. Then you walk into a law firm and you're like, I don't know the law at all. That's not what, you know, like it turns out that what they teach you in the books isn't how the job works. You have to learn the job. And now we've got two guys who like maybe know what the books say, but have never done the job. And so they're going to get some things right, but they're going to get some things wrong. But here's the difference. When your 19-year-old winger gets some things wrong, he misses a chance. When your first-time director of football gets some things wrong, he gives a 30-year-old 300 grand a week for three years. You know what I mean? So, and and that, that hurts your club more than a missed chance or a, a keeper that you know waves it across and lets a goal in. The mistakes you make as a director of football have a legacy in the way that mistakes on the pitch don't. And I just worry that we are trusting this process, trust the process, ding, to, <laughs> there it is, to, we're trusting this process to people that <clears throat> don't have the expertise and the track record to know how to do this job. And Arteta, if you said to me Arteta becomes a world-class, top-tier, elite coach for football, I'd say Absolutely. He, he could act, could absolutely happen. But if you say to me, Arteta right now is ready to be a top-tier world-class manager with all of the authority and complexity and complications on his plate that go with that while trying to learn to be a first-team coach, that just, that just feels like a recipe for, if not failure, certainly not excellence. And we really need excellence if we're going to dig ourselves out of the hole. Mike, so, something that I've sort of taken a big issue with um, over, the, o- o- over this transfer window has been almost a sense of arrogance coming from both Arteta and Edu. And I think while the majority of the fan base have a relative sort of understanding of their lack of experience and that, and that they will give them some sort of leeway with that lack of experience, but you can't avoid the fact that with some of the words, as Elliot said, their inexperience has shown at times with certain things coming out of the, right from the time Josh Cronkey said, be excited, to, to the apparent um, word coming out from the club um, just uh, last week or the week before saying wait till the end of the window to judge us. They're really putting themselves under a lot of pressure here. And and do you think that now from, from the first kick of the game on Friday evening against Brantford that, that both Anne and Mikel Arteta are under the microscope and, and may not be given too much of a of a chance this season? Absolutely. Nor, and, and, and they should be. Um, you know, you can't you can't keep moving the goalposts, uh, telling us to judge, you know, judge the judge here, judge there, and not eventually. I mean, you, you you can't kick the can down the road on blame 
endlessly. Um, you know, and, and, and I've been more patient than most in, in kicking that can down the road and saying, you know, that there are some situations here with COVID and with the way that the, you know, the, the club they inherited. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I will excuse a lot of stuff over a long period of time, but they're, you know, the rubber hits the road now. When we were saying last spring, you know, look, I'll give, I'll give him the first half of the next season, which is, you know, they don't care what I'm giving them, but like, you know, that, that thought process really hasn't changed in my mind. And um, I don't think as we sit here two days before the opening of the season, I don't think this club has transformed to the extent that we believed it would in early June, right before the Euros got started. And we were, you know, listening to the buzz that was going on and knowing what players needed to be moved on. It certainly hasn't progressed in the, in the outs. Uh, mm-hmm. from the team is what you know the the outgoing players from the team so you know i i think it's it's absolutely right that they should be facing some you know some some judgment do i think it should happen on friday do i think it should happen in the first three weeks of the season i think that would be a bit harsh uh, no one wants to be sitting at one two or three points after three games but it's very realistic that we could be there um i'm still thinking more in the terms of october uh after there's been a stretch of games that aren't as you know, as, as forbearing as or overbearing as the first three or four games that we have in front of us. Um, mm. But yeah, they, they, they should absolutely be, uh, you know, be, be held to account for what they are or are not doing. Yeah. And see for me, and, and we'll probably cover, cover this with a lot of our guests, I think as well, <clears throat> obviously just to get different of opinions on this, but Elliot, Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've heard a lot about the results in in, in preseason or lack thereof. Um, some people hold a different sort of weight as to how much they actually matter. But something that is quite alarming to me, uh, not so much the results, but the lack of progress in the areas that we were quite weak last season in terms of creating chances and putting them away. Uh, for, do you just think that it's pre-season, it's a fitness exercise, or do you think that, God, this is this is quite worrying now at this stage um, right before the season starts? So, I mean, I think the results don't matter at all. Like, you could mm-hmm. lose every single preseason game 3-0, it doesn't matter. And a great example is Bayern lost 3-0 to Napoli, and then you look at it, they played their starters for the first half, outshot Napoli like 14-2, to made 11 subs at halftime, and conceded three goals in the last 10 minutes when they were playing with Academy kids. That right? isn't so how like, we've lost, though. <laughs> no, no, I, I know. So well, I'm getting there. So the results don't matter to me. I think the first couple of games, too, don't matter. At that point, it's a fitness exercise. People are playing who literally will never play for the club this season. But if you look specifically at like the Chelsea and the Spurs game, by then, you should be getting a sense of the system you're looking at maybe using and the effectiveness of certain things the manager is trying. And for that reason, I have some concerns. One of them is that higher line we tried against Chelsea. We tried it a little bit less against Spurs, but even then, both Chelsea and Spurs were able to kick the ball long and basically get in behind the defense relatively easily. We struggled with long balls right over the top. And I think if Arteta has has something to hang his hat on from last season, it's that he made it harder to break us down, maybe at the expense of our attack. But what scares me is, as easy as it was for them to get beyond that line, it didn't come with any real noticeable benefits to the attack. I think all of us are looking for some evidence that this attack is going to click. And I realize we didn't have Martinelli, we didn't have Saka, but I mean, come on, you're talking about teenagers here. The fact is, the attack does not 
look like it creates enough chances. Against Spurs, we had really nice periods of possession resulting in nothing. It still funnels out wide. It still relies on crosses. Lacazette still has to drop deep into the midfield to collect and then turn and bust his ass into the box. And Aubameyang's out there putting in left-footed crosses from the touchline. Now realize that may be partly because of players who are available. That may not be the plan. I think the thing that worries me about our preseason is there was nothing in the system that I saw that says he's got this attack thing starting to get figured out. Okay, we lost both those games, but boy, were we raining shots on Spurs goals or raining shots on Chelsea's goal, like not even remotely. So I, I'm not worried about the results. I'm not even super worried about, you know, good performance, like Aubameyang not scoring goals. Mm. But I am worried that the system didn't show me any indication that we are solving some of the fundamental issues we had. And we may have created a new one if our plan is to try this high line because it didn't look like we had the right ball pressure when we lost the ball, to keep the ball over the top from going right over our center backs. Yeah, uh, and it's so funny. Just for, this would be my last question before we can maybe move on to the prize draw. Um, but I remember when when Nicola Pepe signed, and it's so funny in hindsight looking back on how stupid even maybe I was to get so carried away with this. But I remember Arsenal fans and fans of other teams were were quite frightened at the prospect of the front three of Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Nicola Pepe, and and people were even talking that it would rival um, the likes of uh, uh, Mane, Salah, and Firmino at Liverpool or or Man City's front three. And what is it when you look? You know, Alexander Lacazette coming in massively highly rated. Pierre and Aubameyang, sixty million come in as one of the world's elite strikers and performed like that for quite a, quite a while um, during the beginning of his time here. And then Nicola Pepe coming in with an absolutely staggering reputation. I mean, I remember that transfer and people couldn't even believe the fact that we got somebody like Nicola Pepe. I thought what it was a coup, yeah. Yeah, what is it about those three players that, that they just can't click and create because the quality that the three of those possess as individuals is phenomenal? Well, I mean, look, here, here's a here's a, a transfer tip, a little how to get an edge on the competition. Probably don't buy a striker in the summer window for fifty million, then buy a striker in the January window for sixty million, because I don't know about you, but that's not in my squad building handbook. Like we have been dealing with the knock on effect of having both Lacazette and Aubameyang for seasons. Like one of those players shouldn't have been bought. Now, in my opinion, Aubameyang should have been bought in the summer if he could have been, and Lacazette never should have been bought. But, like, Aubameyang's not a winger. I know th- the number of people that want to tell you, look look at his goals from the left. Well, there's a lot of ways you can come in from the left. And there's a lot of, he's, you know, there's a lot of underlying metrics we can debate. But the fact is, he's a center forward. His, his crossing is an elite. His dribbling is an elite. His wide passing is an elite. Watching him chase wingers down into the corner flag and then putting crosses from the touchline if that's the role you had for him, you overpaid because he's not elite at those things. So you're taking an elite goal-scoring, in-the-box goal-scoring finisher and putting him in a position where now he's just average. So you've taken all that money and you've kind of you've diminished its effectiveness. I think Nicola Pepe, again, if there's an issue I have with the Arteta regime and in general what we've done the last few seasons, there's such an emphasis on funneling the ball out wide. Now, I know that City is cutback FC. They create a lot of chances from cutbacks, but the way they do it, they get in the central spaces, they get their wide players more compressed towards the box. Again, people talk about Liverpool. Oh, Firmino drops in and, and sets in Salah and Mane. Setting aside that Lacazette's not Firmino, look at where their touches are. Look how close they are to the box. Look at where their average possessions start. 
I think Arsenal had the slowest possessions of any team in the Premier League last season, the deepest starting points of possessions, meaning we're starting deep, we're passing a ton, we're elaborate as we can possibly hope to be, but it all funnels out wide. And when that happens, there's one guy in the box. So I think Smith Rowe can be a revelation because I think he will make the second man run. I think that getting the players closer to the box in Pepe and if it's Saka, great, putting Aubameyang in the box, that can help. I think not having a good right back for several seasons has held us back too because you see what Tierney does on the left. We don't have anyone who can have that impact on the right. But, you know, this is where you have to start to ask yourself, is it players or is it the coach? I don't think our our attack is built the way it probably should be. But to suggest that it should be 20 goals shy of where we used to be, I don't think it's that. To suggest that, you know, at one point last season we had eight shots per 90. You know, so... There, there is a coaching tweak that needs to be made here. We need to find ways to get the ball in the central spaces more to get our forwards connecting more. Think of how many times Pepe has the ball and he's outside the box and he's 15, 20 yards away from the next forward, right? Or Aubameyang on the touchline. So th- those issues should be solvable. And I know it's easy for me sitting here talking about it to say it should be solvable, but I I mean, it needs to be solved, whether it's solvable or not. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I agree with you that um, I think in hindsight, and I've stated this a few times, that sound like I'm repeating myself, but I think that the Aubameyang uh, contract extension was done out of emotion, uh, and it's the job of a manager and, and a football director not to get emotional when making business decisions like that because it seems to me like almost like Mikel Arteta is like a 13-year-old playing FIFA in that in that in that he goes for for names and and FIFA ratings rather than stylistic compatibility in terms of I remember seeing um, Lacazette with Emil Smithrow and Saka in the Europa League last season and that combination worked absolutely perfectly but then in big games immediately it was back to Aubameyang and it's it's just like he possesses some good individual qualities but for for the benefit of the team as a whole uh, as bad as this sounds and i'm not i'm not writing the guy off this early but right now you'd have to say if you were going to name your best starting at 11 that pierre Aubameyang would probably not be in it um but mike that's where i'll pass over to you buddy if you want to yeah and 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 just to finish up on that point i mean i i don't want to open the the rabbit hole of pierre Aubameyang. i'm sure we'll have a chance to talking about that uh, with with some future guests and specifically our next guest, um, who knows a little bit about putting the ball in the net himself, uh, Alan Smith, and and you know the, but I agree with you 100. percent I think Arteta needs to 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 grow some grow some sack and 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 realize that the team seems to play better without him on the pitch right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if we if he can somehow manage to put out a starting eleven that is fresh and, and gives Aubameyang whatever space and time he needs to, to, to recover from his current form, fine. Uh, but I just don't see him doing that. I see Aubameyang as the captain being the first, the first man on the, on the starting 11 if he's healthy. And I think that that's just that mentality from last season that has to be broken out of. And I don't see that we're there yet. So mm-hmm. um, we've had a great start to the Gunners versus Cancer Potathon campaign already. Uh, I'm going to see if, if I can uh, if I can share the screen now. We are currently at, and and a lot of this has changed as this podcast has gone by. Uh, we are currently now at two thousand four hundred and thirty five dollars of of our five thousand dollar goal for this for this show. 
Um, thank you for your recent donation. For this one work. hour? Well, we, we started work. We started, uh, don't, don't take it personally. No. Um, we started accepting donations on, uh, on, on Monday afternoon. Um, you know, the, the earlier you donate, the more of our prize drawings you can be in. If you, if you only enter the, the drawing with three hours left in the show, there's only three drawings you can be in. So I would expect that to grow slower as the time goes by, but look, I'll be, I'll be happy with anything that grows. We've got, uh, we're, we're almost halfway to our goal already. Thank you to Eric Schlackman. Oh, for your oh, oh, I thought you meant that was our goal for this one hour. And I thought I'm, I'm that uninteresting to people. Nobody, nobody wants to give if them. That was our goal for each hour. Um, you know, yeah, that, I, I, that, yeah. That would be, that, that's like, man, what do you think, Elliot? That our chat be balling? We're all broke, man. <laughs> no, because you're already halfway there. I mean, that's amazing. You you may not even have to go all 24 hours. I mean, we don't have to watch you on the toilet in the middle of the night. This is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, you've already been sent the video of me doing that privately. I know. So. I don't need to see another one live on the I internet. Do they even let that go out live on the internet? Yeah, probably no, cancel so, your cancel so, your account. So thank you to Eric Schlackman, Alma City Arsenal with a they they know about my affinity for uh for nineteen eighty nine. So they they came in with hundred and eighty nine. Christina, uh um, what's the link? The link for the for, for donations is gamervcancer.com. Yeah. It's going across the crawl on the bottom of the screen, and you can you can get involved. Rick Hicks, Kashil, Ethan, Joey Murphy, good old Joey Murphy, Alex, Serge Pirano, who's a who's a cancer survivor himself and a Leukemia Lymphoma Society Man of the Year. So much support. We truly appreciate it. And wait, um, wait, wait, wait. We're gonna get this going here. Does that refresh in real time? Uh yeah. All right, we gotta, we gotta make sure we get my name on the screen here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, add it. We'll, we'll add it in a couple of zeros, Elliot, just because you're a nice guy. All right, let's see if we can get get this. He, he's gonna he's gonna allow us to hit our goal in the first hour of the show. No, no I'm definitely. Not <laughs> no, no All right, so we're good. We're good. All right, the first there, there we go. Am I in? Did I get in? Oh, look at that, Elliot Smith. Thank you so much. Let me let me make sure you get added to this uh, to this drawing here. There's some there's some back end stuff that I got to do here to 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 make sure you're in. Um, there is some back end stuff you need to make sure I'm in. Did you say? <laughs> that's what yeah, I heard. You would be surprised at the amount of times he says that on a daily basis. That that, that that's similar. We don't, we don't theme, king shame on our podcast. Similar in theme <laughs> to how I how I gradually saw you easing your way into Ben White uh, <laughs> over time, where you first you first weren't thrilled with it, and now you're now you've really you, you've really gotten into him mm -hmm. um, over time. So all right, so After here. You. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Please go on. <laughs> Our first prize drawing of 18 prizes. And here's the, the random picker. I'm going to do it live on the screen. The first drawing is for this. Welcome to Highbury print mailed to you from Ruth Beck Art. Now, Ruth Beck Art uh, can be found on Twitter at Ruth Beck Art. She can also be found online at uh, ruthbeckart.com forward slash arsenal for her arsenal related stuff. It's all kind of Highbury, historical, together, inspirational stuff. And um, and she does not ship anywhere outside of the UK, I believe. And so, you know, while these are prints, they're not originals. Um, if you're in the US, you normally can't buy them. So this is a great opportunity to get one of these. Um, and the winner of the Highbury print is... Kushal Ashar. Kushal is the first winner of a prize on this podcast. Congratulations. 
And thank you to uh, to Kishal. You will be uh, contacted afterwards for your prize, and you remain in the prize draw for all of the other prizes. So well, I'm uh, right here. That's my that's my alias. That's your alias. Mm -hmm. Do I look more like a Kishal than a than an Owen? Don't I? I don't know what an Owen is supposed to look like. So so that could. If your name's well Owen, why don't why do you put Eoin on the screen? Uh, look, man, my, look, it's, it's a long story, but to cut it short, my mom fucking hates me. So that's cool. yeah. She's a lovely woman. Cool. Yeah, I was, I was going to look for the video of, of of me trying to pronounce Owen, but I, I've played it on the podcast the maximum number of times. So <laughs> so that's how this that's how this podcast is going to work. Um, we uh, we got you know and and people asking Elliot questions in the chat. Look, you know, get get in, get get to. I mean, it's too late now, but. Get to GoonerOpenMic.com. You're, you're certainly going to want to do that in the next hour as well uh, when we have Alan Smith on. Um, we have no qualms in trusting our, our, our viewers to, to be mature enough to handle a one-on-one -on -one conversation with their arsenal heroes such as Elliot, Yankee Gunner Smith. Um, uh, there, there, there's actually a question here I can put forward from Oliver, Elliot. And it's, it says, uh, if we have an entire season like the second half of last year, is it enough to finish sixth this year? It sh should be, right? Yeah. I mean, it would. It was third or fourth best at that time or second best, depending on who, who you ask and what, how you measure this stuff. But, yeah, it should be. I think, look, there's a clear top four in my mind. Uh there's also a clear top four in the Premier League. Top four in my mind is a different issue. Which there, reminds I, me. Which reminds mm -hmm. me. We're doing we're doing that for all the guests. I'm glad that you actually said that because we need to get your top four, your bottom three, and where Arsenal finish. So yeah, I will give you that. So so there's a clear top four in my mind, and then and and I don't think it's fair to ask us to break into that yet. I mean, the idea that this was going to be a one summer project that we would go from being a team in need of an overhaul to being ready in one window. That's not fair. That's not how a project works. If you're trying to fix everything that's wrong with your squad in one window, you're probably going to make some bad choices because it's not realistic. I think the goal this summer was to get back in the top six, but not just get back in the top six. Use our resources to distance ourselves from the clubs that want to see themselves as in our orbit now, right? So Villa, West Ham. Villa, West Ham. I mean, let's name all of them. Spurs, Leicester, Villa, West Ham, Leeds. You know, Everton, Leeds. Those are clubs that all think to themselves, we can get a European place. Spurs and Leicester, set them aside for a minute. Villa, West Ham, Everton, Leeds. Like they, We need to be distant enough from them that if we're finishing behind them, it's something wacky happened. Leicester and Spurs, again, I think we should be able to use our resources to be ahead of them. And the problem for me right now isn't that I think we're bad or we can't make the top six. The problem for me right now is I could see us finishing ahead of every one of those clubs but I could see every one of those clubs finishing ahead of us. And that, that to me says we haven't strengthened enough. We haven't strengthened enough to put those teams in our rearview mirror. You know, if you ask a Liverpool fan, can any of those teams finish above you? They'd say no. Doesn't mean it can't happen. They'd say no. Same with Chelsea, same with United, same with City. For us, it's in the mix. And that means that anywhere from fifth to ninth is a legitimate outcome. And I just, I wish we could have maybe strengthened our, our, our put pressed our advantage against some of those teams in the mid table that think now they can come into our orbit and probably are in our orbit at the moment. <laughs> so who are your top four then for this season? Uh, in order or just any four? Uh, in order if you can. The bottom three I won't ask you for order. But. I'll say City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool. Okay. That's basically in, in order of money spent uh, as well, um, which, is, which says a lot. Uh, your bottom three. I have no idea. Like, I, I don't even know who's in the league. Who came up? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think Palace probably go down. And, 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 and Bradford, Watford. Premier League teams that you see going down. Like Palace would be a perfect example of that. Yeah, I could see Palace going down. I mean, they, they let themselves get into a really precarious position with their squad. Like all their players are old and their contracts are ending. And that could be good because they get out from under it, but they're not going to get any money for them. And they um, hired an awful coach. As much as I love him, he's not a good coach. I was yeah. just going to say that. Yeah. So, I mean, th- they're a candidate. I think Watford are a candidate to go right back down. Um, maybe Southampton would be another one that that's in. Yeah, it's hard with Southampton. Nor- Norwich, maybe, yeah, maybe Norwich, Watford, and and Palace. I mean, the thing Palace are an interesting one, right? Because they're a fun example of they had an opportunity to cash in on Wilfred Zaha a few seasons ago, maybe get like seventy or eighty million. And if you're sharp, and if you flip that and you turn it into something, you know, they've they've signed some interesting young players. But like, what could they have done with that? Now they've got an aging Zaha who's not really providing the output for them. A lot of older players in their 30s whose contracts are expiring and no way to refresh their squad. So it's a reminder that sometimes the right move is to be brave and and make the hard choices. They didn't do it. I think they could be. I think they could be trouble. And, and Mark has now indicated that they'll now do the double overs. They will get relegated, but they will do the double over. It won't be the first time that's happened. Yeah. And uh, and where and 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 where do, pick pick a number between five and nine, and and I'll assume that's where Arsenal's going to finish. We only have the Premier League to focus on, and, and that should be an advantage. I'll say sixth, and I think whether we regard that as a success or not will depend to some extent on whether the football is good to watch and the underlying metrics support it. So if we have a crappy attack again, but we kind of shithouse our way to sixth, I think it's going to feel like crap. But if we get the attack right and the young players take strides forward and we're scoring goals and it's a little bit of growing pain still, we're not quite there with the top teams, but you know, the underlying metrics say we were roughly the fifth or sixth best team. I'd be willing to point to that as success. I know some people will say that's a measure of lowered standards, but look where we are. You know, you can't get to the top of the staircase without taking the first step, right? So that's probably the worst thing I've ever said. Well, as, but as I showed you in that picture of me missing my front teeth, you can get to the bottom step of a staircase without I'm missing the off. first step. Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. It's it's easier to go down than it is to come back up. And that the, the funny thing is that is absolutely true in sports. It is much easier to tank your team and go down than it is to build it back up. Hard choices have to be made, and and we have to get it right. So if we finish sixth, I think the the determination of whether it was a good season or not is going to be based on a lot of other factors that include, I was just saying this to Clive today. Like I just haven't had fun watching Arsenal. I would like to, if Arsenal, you know, we met those Wenger years towards the end, not the last ones, but the ones just before that where we had clown card defenses, you know, where Chelsea ran up six against us. But we also scored like 75 goals a season and we would beat teams five, one. And like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I long for those days. I long for the days where, all right, we might get blasted on the occasion, but we would your, your play some fun, gonna, scintillating football. The Wenger you know? the rights are going to go crazy on you. Well, to be clear, that wasn't who we, who we were at the end of Wenger's. By the by, the end, by his final few seasons, the attack was already turning pretty stale. And, you know, it, it is one of the problems, right? I'm going to hit you with the two things can be true. I absolutely think we waited too long to move on from Wenger. He should have gone, I think, after the Hull FA Cup final, but certainly the Chelsea one. But we also made terrible, terrible choices in the power vacuum that d- developed when he left. And, uh, you know, I mean, Raul is a big part of that as well. So we're going to do what, what people in the business who I, 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 I try to act like call a crossover here. It's a brief crossover as I say goodbye to you and hello to our next guest. So, uh, so welcome back to the Gooners podcast, Mr. Alan Smith. Uh, it's great to see you again, my friend. 
Great to see you, Mike. How are you, boys? All right. Uh, doing doing fine. You know, it's only hour two of twenty four, so you're getting me you're getting me <laughs> on fresh. But, oh, I'll um, tell you. I, I didn't know you had so, so much stamina, mate. Well, I don't know if I do, but I don't know if I do, but but we'll see. But uh, Elliot, I just want to say thank you for uh, for helping us kick off the show. Uh, obviously, uh, the the chat loves you and 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 agrees with a lot of your opinions. Um, your support uh, on social media, on your podcast, and most important to me in our private conversations uh, has been amazing. And I, I honestly can't tell you how much our, our you know the the last year of us getting to know each other better is, as uh, uh, just, it's really that your friendship and support means a lot to me and, and I truly appreciate it. And, um, and, and you guys do an incredible podcast. We, where can we find you? Not block yep. you, but where can we find you? <laughs> uh, just go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com. Check it out. Block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And I guess if, if my number has to go up on the board, uh, going up with, with Alan coming on, I guess I, I can probably live with that uh, for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, we should do like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I had just prepared for this podcast, I would have made like an electronic thing that had the picture of the outgoing guest and the picture of the incoming guest. But <laughs> we don't expect anything professional from you, Mike. It's fine. No, you, you, you know me that well. Um, so thanks. Elliot, I appreciate it, and uh, everybody, check out Arsenal V. Sign up for the the, the Patreon, um, support them in every way you can, and hopefully, we'll all be together in uh, in in a city near you soon. Absolutely, and we will have our Arsenal Foundation um, fundraiser in the future too. So, plenty of chances to give to good causes this uh, this summer. One hundred percent. All right, take care, Elliot. Thanks. Cheers. All right, bye bye.